what is why do we tell you all those different perspectives? Because performance doesn't make any sense unless you're looking at time. And when people talk about the S the the S and P five hundred, they're doing it in these like kind of round numbers that don't represent reality at all. Like the last five years or the last one year. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake McClure today. So this is Jake McClure. This is The Personal Wealth Coach. I've got some disclosures to give. It sounds like the station just put a weird message on about the program being paid for by the personal wealth coach. We need to talk to them about that because we buy advertisements. We don't buy, they haven't fired us from the program, but we've been doing this for 25 years, 26 years now through multiple owners. And we've just continued to do it. There's no quid pro quo that I'm aware of. So that's one of the disclosures we generally give. We don't pay for the program. Um, we pay for advertisement on this at market rates on this station, and we've been doing this for a long time. So that's odd. We're going to talk to the to the folks at Town Square about that. That's weird. Uh, next is that the Personal Wealth Coach is not just the name of this program. It is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. What does that mean? Um, it doesn't mean that the SEC thinks that the firm or the program is in some way anointed by any higher authority. That's just who regulates the firm. Now, um, why is that coincidental? We've been doing this a long time on the air. We can't give investment advice on the air. We don't know everybody that's listening. Everybody that's listening doesn't know us. Uh, there's privacy issues, all that good stuff. So Investment advice is supposed to be issued at a fiduciary level. It means in the best interest of the client, not just the best interest, but in, in many cases, the sole interest of the client. There's understood compensation, but that is fully disclosed. So what does that mean? Uh, it's supposed to be the person that you can trust with, with giving you advice that isn't doing it for a prop, profit motivation. Uh, the profit motivation is there for ongoing advice rather than for doing a thing, uh, doing a trade or buying a thing. Uh, it's not commission-based, fee-based. So uh, can't give that on the air. So what, what am I doing on the air if I can't do that? Well, hopefully education. Hopefully I'm going to tell you some things today that you didn't know. Uh, I may tell you a lot of things today that you didn't know. I've got a lot of stuff lined up uh, historically to talk about the history of the banking system and why it exists and what were the major scandals and catastrophes that led to the rules that we have now and how today kind of rhymes that. So we'll be talking about that later. Education, good stuff. Hopefully it'll help you in decision-making in the future. Uh, we uh, get our, our, our data from sources that we deem to be reliable. Uh, we don't guarantee it. We don't warranty it. Um, uh, what we do warranty is that anything I say uh, is said by me and that anything I don't say is generally incomplete. Let's see here. I think I got all the big ones. 
that's pretty awesome. All right, so what happened this week in the market? I've got a bunch of questions hanging out there waiting for me. It's kind of why I've aimed the stories that I'm going to be telling today in that direction. But what happened in the market this last week? Well, anybody that's been watching the news or reading the financial press, it may come as a shock to you to know that the Standard & Poor's 500 index, we, call, we measure this in a, with a symbol called SPX. Why do we tell you that stuff all the time? Because there's a lot of different ways of measuring the S&P 500, uh, e even from the S&P 500. Some of it includes dividends, some of it doesn't, some of it's uh, looking at closing times at different moments. Uh, they've got futures, they've got after hours. So SPX is what we use. Um, that stock market, as represented by those 500 companies in the SPX, rose 1.43% this week to end at 3916.64. That's not up to 4,000 that it was a um, couple of weeks ago, but it's higher than it was last week. Last week was at 3862, this week 3916. Wait a minute, didn't we have a bunch of bad news this week? Okay, so the SPX was up about, is, is still up a bit over 2% for the year. It's about 9.33% higher than it was at the low point in October. And it's 75% higher than it was three years, three years ago in the crash of the pandemic. Uh, on the negative side of things, the index is 18% lower than it was in the first week of 2022. Uh, this, uh, so that's what is, why do we tell you all those different perspectives? Because performance doesn't make any sense unless you're looking at time. And when people talk about the S&P the, the 500, they're doing it in these like kind of round numbers that don't represent reality at all. Like the last five years or the last one year. Well, what are moments that exist in your memory about the S&P 500. If we measure from those points, it's a lot easier to understand what's happening in the market, that it's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. And long-term, it's a lot more up than it's down historically. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't have big dips. We've been through a few of those lately, um, going back through <laughs> my career. There's been a lot of them. Uh, all right. So the CRSP mid-cap value index, this is the sector of the economy that we measure that's really kind of it's not worried about growing into the stratosphere it's just worried about maintaining profitability and not taking on too much debt and so on so it's kind of if you think of it in the old school just boring business and that's why we throw this in there because the spx holds a bunch of other stuff in it they're they're uh, go-getters. They're trying to get the best profits as well as people that are just saying, hey, we're good with what we've got. Let's make sure and keep it quality. As an example, uh, a toothpaste company is not going to try to get you to brush your teeth 47 times in a day. General Mills is probably not going to try to make you eat Cheerios for all of your meals. So what are they doing? Well, are they trying to go out and tell everybody to eat Cheerios all the time? I mean, they wouldn't mind that, but they're comfortable with the number of people eating Cheerios now. They maintain their advertising and so on. So it's a different way of looking at business. And the CRSP mid-cap value index is, was down for the week, significantly down, 3.26%. Well, why? Because a lot of times banks fall in that category. A lot of banks 
are not out there to ratchet up the profits into the stratosphere for the next eight years. They may start out that way, but then they quickly realize that everybody goes to other banks when you do that. So what what is this? So there's a bunch of old school mainline banks in this index that got took it on the chin this week um, or on what do bankers have chins? Oh, that that was mean. Sorry. Sorry. All the bankers listening. I'm sorry. Not not really, but a little bit. A little bit sorry. All right. Uh, what else happened this week? The the uh, benchmark ten year U.S. Treasury note, the yield on it slipped to three point three nine percent. Well, that's good news for people that are holding those securities. That means the value went up temporarily. Uh, it was at a, a above a four percent yield just a few weeks ago. Four point one one. It's up in that level. It's down down to 3.39. That's a pretty big swing. We'll talk about what happened there uh, in a minute because we've got some stuff that I haven't seen anywhere on in the major media yet. I've only seen it from the direct sources, uh, Federal Reserve and so on, and they're um, notoriously hard to understand. So I don't think the journalists have picked this up yet. It's quite interesting. Okay. Uh, West Texas Intermediate. Uh that's oil. What happened with oil? Uh, it has come down, yes, this week, 13.4%. That's a major drop. What's going on there? Well, we're going to talk about that too. This is weird. Why is oil price dropping in the middle of a war with in between Russia and Ukraine when there's a lot of oil out there on the line? We'll, we'll talk about that. This is good stuff. Uh, but it does mean that our prices for gasoline are going to be down in the future. And that is going to affect the inflation levels, maybe not the core levels, but you're going to feel like prices are coming back down. This is good news in a kind of a bad news setting. It's the way financial news often is, is in a really good economy. When we have a high inflation, good news about the economy is generally bad news. And in the same setting, when you have things that you would look ahead and say, this may be recessionary, why are, why is, why are we driving so much less? Or is that the reason why the prices are down? This may be really good news. And it's very backwards. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> uh, it's very real. Uh, and if you recall, when we were talking about oil in the 60, 60s now per barrel. There's 42 gallons in a barrel for those of you that are interested. Uh, those of you that aren't interested, you just got a piece of trivia that you will hate having for the rest of your life. But there it is, 42 gallons in that barrel. Uh, so uh, I love that. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that long ago, just about a year ago, uh, West Texas Intermediate was at $112 a barrel. That is a big deal. June, it was at $120 a barrel. We're coming close to a 50% decline from the top there. Uh, that is going to have an impact on the oil market. <laughs> or, or the oil market had an impact on it. It's the chicken and the egg. So those that are out there that have been pumping in a bunch of money over the last year are gonna start to feel a little bit of a pinch. I've had some other questions and I've seen it pop up in the news enough to know that people are asking this stuff. Are these bank failures a um, sign that the Fed's gonna slow down its interest rate increases? Are these bank failures a sign that we're entering recession? It's good questions. 
Um, the Federal Reserve is definitely going to take into account what's happening here, but that dumping in of money from the Federal Reserve means that it's the equivalent of a pause in Fed interest rate increases. It's not at the short, shortest term rates. It's in the midterm rates up to 10 years. We've seen a massive reduction in interest rates there. I just went over that. So the, the headline, and this is funny because the Wall Street Journal is pretty good at picking up things like when the Federal Reserve's <laughs> balance sheet increases by $300 billion in, a, in a week. But there's no story on it. The Financial Times didn't pick it up. The Economist didn't pick it up. Well, well those are okay. They kind of pick up at different times in the week and so on. I'm kind of shocked that the major news isn't looking at this balance sheet. Well, here's why. It came out um, in the middle of the day on Friday with no fanfare. It was just an update to a chart. There's no press release on it. There's nothing else going on except that the number changed. And it's just kind of surprising that nobody's picked up on it. Uh, I don't know why I'm surprised about stuff like this. I am truly a nerd, and we do go to the source more often than getting it from a an article that someone prints. But it's still shocking that I, I think it's because of all the other stuff going on in the world right now. I don't know. This is a big, big deal. All right, so will this cause a re recession? What causes a recession? Well, when interest rates go up, it makes it harder to grow a business, period. It's really simple. It makes it harder to grow an economy. A lot of growth comes from loans. If you're a... Uh, a construction company and you say i'm going to build a house to sell it um you may not have enough money to build the whole house before you sell it so you're probably going to get a loan for it uh, most companies do as just a normal method of doing business and most people would say you're using all your cash you're not keeping that in reserve you're you're not going to get a loan that'd be weird so growth in construction comes from loans growth in the tech world comes from loans. There's no place that growth in the economy as a whole doesn't have a large component of interest rate risk. It's just there. Interest rates go up, it's harder to do stuff. It's going to cost more. It's the same as if you have a 0% credit card or a 32% credit card. <laughs> Which one are you going to use more? Well, if you don't have the 0% anymore and you only got the 32, you're thinking really hard about not using it even if you really need it, because that could kill your business. And that's an extreme example, but it's one that we can all understand. Uh, it makes sense to say if interest rates go up, growth is going to slow down. We're seeing the price of oil come down. Well, what does that mean? Less people are driving at the same time that we're producing more. W what could cause that? Well, I've talked in the past about big storms in the Northeast affecting us, our economy in the first quarter of the year. Big winter storms cause the economy to slow down in the Northeast. Well, we had big winter storms in the Northwest, and that's where more driving occurs. So there's a component to our oil prices that comes from a lot of people not driving for a period of time in the snow in the Northwest. Okay. Now we have a lot of rain in the Northwest. Well, is that slowing down business? A bit. What are the other components that could cause a recession here? Well, if you're in the business of looking at your portfolio and you're saying, I need to put my money in a place that it's profitable to be, that I can make a living off of it into my retirement and way, way beyond. But there's a chunk of my assets that 
you know, I could be putting it into cash and it's going to pay me 4.6 or 5%, depending on, you know, when you get your notes or when you get your bills or whatever it is. Well, that's money that's not being invested into the market. It's being invested into the loan market instead of the ownership market. Well, that changes the picture. There's less money for the tech startups in loans and there's less new investment money at the same time. That causes slopes. Will we be able to continue to grow anyway? We've done it in the past. It has happened in the past. It's just pretty rare in the past. There's another thing that we look at. The conference board puts out the, its index of leading economic indicators. And it's been severely down for a great long period of time. It's calling for a recession right now. Well, why don't we, why don't we have it? What, what's going on? Why, are, why is it that we have so few jobless claims? We're getting, you know, really, really few initial jobless claims. That means people aren't getting laid off at, on the net across the country, even with interest rates where they are. People are going, well, how is that happening? Because the layoffs are occurring in the tech market and not universally, but pretty close. Those people are getting jobs right away in small business. And small business isn't necessarily running on short-term loans because they don't have the same access to the loan market that the big companies do. Some of it is there, but a big chunk of it is just going off of the profits that we've had going for the past three years. So those layoffs are just disappearing. It's like they didn't exist in the job market. Now, if you got laid off and you don't have a job yet, this is the difference between averages and individuals. I mean, if I put my foot in one foot in dry eye, a bucket of dry ice and the other into a boiling kettle, my average is fine, but that doesn't make me happy. Uh, so if you're stuck in the average world and saying, wait, what about me? Please be believe that I'm not discounting that you exist. There's a lot of pain in these transitions. There's the loss of severance packages that they thought were going to be there in the event of a layoff that didn't happen, or the bonus that they were sure was going to happen in June that isn't going to happen because they got laid off. Uh, so there's some real pain out there still. But when we look at the, the job market, that's a positive in the leading index. The new layoffs are just really low. At the same time, a big chunk of the leading indicators is the credit index, the leading credit index. And the spread in the interest rate between the 10-year bonds and the Fed funds, well, that's a negative. We've been talking about that being inverted for a while. So we have all of these indicators that say a recession's around the corner. Well, what does that even mean? What is a recession? You know, the last one we had was horrible. It was really bad. Uh, the pandemic hit and you could see signs of nobody doing anything anywhere. There were empty streets. There was no traffic time before that was an extended period of really no fun. They called it the Great Recession. Those aren't our traditional recessions. Recessions tend to be pretty mild usually. Throughout the 60s through the early 2000s, we had a recession about every four years. And they were relatively mild. They are restructuring as new employment changed, as uh, new technology came online and replaced old. That's kind of what we expect to go back to. And that means that any recession we have should be mild, hopefully. Just looks like it from, we still have a lot of cash on hand. We still have a lot of profits on hand. We're not seeing companies really, really doing poorly. The tech companies are laying off because their growth is dropping, not because they're losing money. These are all good signs. 
we could grow out of this. But if we have a recession, what does that mean? Well, if you maintain a job, it's not a big deal. If you don't, it really stinks. You can retrain yourself. You can learn new things, and I would highly recommend that. Going into it, keep good cash reserves on hand. That's true all the time. If you're already in a point where your money's coming from from market investments, make sure that that your reserves are good so that you can continue through this. In a recession, the market tends to be going upward historically. It's a leading indicator. Before a recession, you tend to see a market drop. This is hard to understand for a lot of people, but that's generally people sell out because they see the recession coming and that's what causes the, the market to drop. And then they wait till the market for the market to recover to get them back in. And it's a horrible idea that's selling low and buying high. Uh, so hold it out, hold out if you're well diversified. And coming out of recessions, universally, common sense says people that own stuff that are profitable do better coming out of recessions than people that don't. So keep that in mind. Um, coming out of recessions and in recessions, the market tends to be doing really well. And the people that are, and this is when you see these numbers that people say the, the low class is being treated badly because the upper class is doing so well. That's based on market. And we're about out of time. If you would like to contact us off the air for actual investment advice at the fiduciary level, our offices have two lines available with voicemail on the weekends, real live people at uh, the rest of the time. Uh, 254-947-1111 or 1-800-914-PLAN. Go to our webpage, tpwc.com or thepersonalwealthcoach.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, read, read it there, listen to our podcasts. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.